Well, hey there, and welcome to the Circle YXE podcast. My name is Austin, and we are just so glad that you are listening to this. I am joined by Pastor Paul again this week, and we are having a conversation all about hope. Uh, If you remember the podcast with the seven postures, hope was actually the last one, but we wanted to jump it ahead with this whole week being leading up to Easter. We wanted our conversation to really be shaped on this hope. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today. But before we do that, seeing as how Easter is coming up, Paul, we were all wondering, what are some of your favorite Easter memories? Actually, I was going to ask you, Austin, because last week we, um, we started asking what I've been doing in the quarantine and, and all that kind of stuff. And I shared a little bit of funny experience about my family and hockey in the basement, but we didn't really ask you what you've been up to in this week. So I'd like to turn the tables and ask you that question. What have you been doing and how have you been preparing for Easter in the quarantine season? Oh man, that's a good question. Um, So just a little bit of background with me, like my wife is a teacher. Mm -hmm. And so that means that she is working from home and teaching. So she teaches kindergarten. And so I've somehow become her assistant. And so the other day we did a, a video tutorial on how to draw bunnies. Nice. Um, we will not be posting that picture anywhere. I am not artistic whatsoever. Well, I think that's why you probably should be posting those. Yeah. So we could see. <laughs> Show my human side, of course. But yeah, no, it's been, it's been good working at home. I, I worked for a national organization for th- about three years. And so we did mm-hmm. lots of video conference calls and meetings and stuff. And so this working from home thing is not a new thing. And so... It's just been readjusting to that, but I'm an extrovert and I miss the in-person human contact and stuff, but yeah, I know it's been good for the most part. Awesome. That's very cool, man. Yeah. So this week, as I mentioned before, the Christian churches celebrate like celebrating and traveling through this Holy Week, Mm -hmm. which is the week leading up to Easter and the celebrations of Easter. And it's really focused on um, the rhythms of Jesus's week before and including his death and resurrection. Mm. So it's this, this theme of hope. How do you see the theme of hope woven in the stories that take place during this Holy Week? Yeah, what a good question. You know, I think it's probably good to actually look historically at that week, uh, the Jesus uh, experience before the cross and the resurrection. And when we look at it seriously and we, what I find remarkable in the Bible, which is our record of the events from eyewitnesses of what occurred is that the Bible actually doesn't gloss over or hide what would seem to be actually very unhopeful uh, events that are happening. You know, it's um, interesting to me that it not only does it not hide those parts, uh, it exposes how the closest people in Jesus's life, his inner circle didn't get what was going on you know so when Jesus reveals what he's about to do what is about to happen to him um, we have people closest to him Peter would be one of the examples you know uh, one of his students and and I love how the Bible exposes him in here in in Matthew 16 22 in particular we're in particular we read that Peter took Jesus aside now I love that it says that, and I don't, I don't know if you're catching what I, what I mean by this, but, you know, if those of you that are parents, uh, as a parent of two boys, especially when they were little, you know, if your kid is acting out in public, in front of other people, you take them aside, not to embarrass them, but to let them know that it's not okay what they're doing, right? And so Peter here, 
you know, belittling Jesus, takes him to side. You're like, well, wait a minute. You're kind of embarrassing yourself, what you're saying here. And Jesus' response is pretty strong, you know, and you can read the rest of that in Matthew 16. But what's it, what this is illustrating, what the Bible isn't hiding and what, is, what it is actually exposing is that closest people to Jesus didn't get what was going on. It's actually not a very hopeful time for them. You know, another character, another student of Jesus was Judas, you know, and we know him as this villain in the Bible uh, in so many of our stories, you know. Um, he's the guy that betrays Jesus. Um, he's the bad guy, right? That's kind of the image we have of him. Yeah. Like no one names their kid Judas. (laughs) No, I don't. That does not happen very often anymore. Um, and I don't know if, if, uh, some of our readers have really read or focused on that story. Uh, but many of us have heard Judas, right? He's the guy that betrays. He doesn't get what Jesus is proposing. And so he says, okay, enough. Uh, I'm done with this. And I love how pastor and author Brian Zahn puts it in his Lent journey book, which I'm reading through through Lent right now. Uh, the book is called Unvarnished Jesus. And he reminds us that Jesus, um, or sorry, that Judas, some scholars suggest, was part of this Sicari group of this militant insurgency faction people that was advocating for overthrow of Rome. They were looking for revolution. They were looking to uh, uh, a militant and a violent way to overthrow Rome. And what Judas sees and wants, like the rest of Israel actually, is a Messiah in a certain way. They have, a, they have an idea what the Savior, what this Messiah will look like. And so he sees Jesus as the Messiah correctly. Like he sees what Jesus is doing, what he's teaching, um, but he wants him to act in a very different way. He wants a different kind of Messiah. So Judas in this context is trying to force Jesus to resort to violence, to start the war for Jewish independence. So we get these images of disciples not getting at all what Jesus is driving uh, towards, what Jesus is teaching them. They instead want a certain kind of Messiah. They had certain hopes that this week um, was seemingly not pointing to. This was a different thing that Jesus was trying to introduce to them. And so they're, they're, they're confused and they're not having much of it. So there's eventual denial of Jesus by Peter. There's a hiding and running away of the rest. It actually doesn't seem very hopeful at all, right? Uh, Because things are not going as they would have wanted or assumed. So it sounds very familiar, right? Uh, When the world is turned upside down, when things happen that shouldn't happen, you know, whether it's wars or injustice, illness, death, we quickly ask the why questions, right? Um, And so the reason the Holy Week is holy is that something happens by the end of the week that changes all of that forever. Um, we as as Christians understand this or know this, that Jesus defeats death. People that ran away, uh, people that denied him, betrayed him, uh, return. And they're no longer afraid, right? So they're they're afraid at first, they run away. They're like, this is not what we wanted. The Messiah has to be different. But there is an event that happens that changes all of that for them. You know, we can sometimes remove ourselves from time uh, of 2,000 years ago and kind of not get it. But they left. And something happened that made him return. And even willing to die, um, to put themselves in persecution or, or uh, beatings, they were willing to do that because something happened. So the Christian church for 2,000 years has saved and shared and at its best lived out the resurrection of Jesus. That is, the resurrection was witnessed and it changed people to the core. They could not help but share it uh, because hope had now finally arrived. So even though they didn't get it at first, the event changed their minds and changed them completely. And even a little bit later on, I think of Apostle Paul, 
he's a Pharisee, right? And uh, Pharisee, he's a top religious leader. Uh, he's persecuting the church. He is, he's studied and worked his way to a place where he is renowned. And he's going around approving and witnessing murder of Christians. This is who he is. This is, he does not believe that the way of Christ, that the, this Christian movement is correct. Um, so why does he change? Why is he known as one of the top uh, defenders of the faith? Um, we, we understand that he witnessed the resurrected Jesus in a supernatural way on the road to Damascus. And, he, and begins to then, because of that uh, encounter, beca- becomes the biggest defender of Christ. Um, and, and so the question we should ask is like, why? Why does he do that? Does he, does he really want to be now estranged from a system that he's grown into and he's a leader and respected in? Does he want to be mocked, beaten, and imprisoned? I don't think any of us want that, and I don't think Paul wanted that. Um, and some of these letters that he writes that we preserve so carefully because he's basically taking the needs people see around them and taking Jesus' life and teaching and applying it to people, he, he's writing these from prison. He doesn't lose hope even in prison. Um, he sees that not as an end. Um, he's, he's, uh, uh, he's not afraid of death and he's no longer fearful because he has encountered the living Jesus. So the church is full of these stories of people living out Jesus because of their encounter with Christ, despite persecution. So the hope that occurred that week was the resurrection. I think everything before that actually seems very unhopeful, even Jesus himself. And we see this very complicated part of theology that's hard to explain, but this idea that he's not 50-50, he's actually 100% God and 100% human. And even he has this wrestling in the garden where he says, God, you know, if there's another way, if there's another way to do this, but there isn't. And so the week doesn't seem hopeful. It seems very dark. It seems very uh, stormy and uh, chaotic. But what makes it hopeful and what makes it holy is the resurrection of Jesus that changed everybody's minds. And I love this quote by Frederick Bachner, and I shared it earlier, but um, it just hits it right, hits the nail right on the head. Resurrection, he says, resurrection means that the worst thing is never the last thing. And we learned that in that experience of that week. Yeah, and I think it's just fantastic, like even how you look at the rhythm of this week, that it's, it's characterized by either misplaced hope or hopelessness. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden the resurrection happens and, and these followers of Jesus have such a strong hope um, that they no longer fear death or imprisonment or persecution or beatings, but it actually really impacts them in an amazing way. And like a way that there's no other way to explain it, but their, their hope being placed in something entirely new and powerful. Yeah, that's right. So um, like we referenced the seven postures as we're, we're going through this series, unpacking them. You said be hopeful, which to me makes hope an activity or something that requires us to do something. How do we practice being hopeful? Yeah, you know, I think, I think we take on a posture of hope, not because we hope in hope in itself. I think there's a lot of times, uh, and you see it on social media, you know, be hopeful, have faith, uh, uh, love. And these are all true and good things. But what do we put our hope into? You know, we don't put our hope in hope. Um, But because the resurrection is reality, we as Christians acknowledge and put our faith in that. Our hope is in the resurrected Christ. So because of that, we speak words of hope because there is life, right? It changes our perspective on all things, just like it did for the disciples when they were in prison or beaten or they didn't see that to be the end in itself. They saw something further and greater in this because they knew the resurrection was not real. So we, in faithfulness, live as new humanity that Jesus instituted. We become agents of good in this world. 
and not good for the goodness sake, but good because we live as Christ has given us an example of. So, which means for us, we check our own agendas and selfish hopes. Uh, we don't make the mistake the disciples made by trying to force Jesus to be something other than who he is. We don't try to make him a, a Messiah or a savior that we want. We acknowledge who he actually is. We yield to how he lived and operated in this world. And we begin to live out in the same way. We become the hands and feet of Jesus today. What I love about this is we find ourselves in the story of the Bible in which God constantly accommodates himself to us to pull us into something better, into something hopeful, into a place where we see one another as he sees us. That is, as his children who, who he loves. God reminds us that he loves us, he's for us, and he's with us. So we begin to see the world in that way, and we begin to live as God lives, as Jesus illustrated, as he taught, and as he commanded, really. That even in illness, in persecution, and what seems to be chaos, God is making all things new. And we have a part to play in this newness. We have a purpose. We have a mission in this world of being his uh, hands and feet. We have a purpose and a calling to be agents of good, that, uh, to be his hands and feet. Being hopeful allows us to care for others and bring that hope to them. People are taking this forced pause to write messages of hope and thankfulness on their windows, on the sidewalks. We see this every day on social media and on the news. We see people celebrating, this, uh, celebrating the essential workers. We are hopeful, hopeful when we live in the resurrected hope of Christ. So in this season of Lent, in this holy week, we are reminded that the Easter is still coming. Yeah, and I think that is just such good news. And rather than just kind of using hope as a buzzword, just really reconnecting it to why we have hope and what we have to be hopeful about, right? Yeah, I, I would actually just add to that, Austin, is that it's not grounded in pop theology or pop psychology. It is grounded in the event. This is what Holy Week is for us Christians, is we actually remember that 2,000 some years ago, Jesus walked on earth, that he was God and human, that he died and rose again. You know, it's not um, just a thing we say. We, we have people that acknowledge it and put their life on the line after they witnessed the resurrected Jesus. So the hope we have is that death does not have the final say. Yeah, absolutely. And just the encouragement to, to you that are listening, um, if you're finding yourself in a place of like hopelessness, I just really want to encourage you to just reacquaint yourself with this story. Um, take notice of the disciples and, and their moments of, of hopelessness and just really reacquaint yourself with the story of Easter. It can be really easy to get kind of caught up in the motions uh, of, of all of this stuff, but in this forced slowing and the lack of family gatherings and, yeah. you know, park-wide Easter egg hunts, just really, really reacquaint yourself with this story because it is such good news and it has a hope that can completely transform our lives. Um, just one last question for you. I recently read an article from Carrie Newhoff, who, who does quite a bit of blogging and, and different videos and stuff. And he Can writes, you just give us a little bit of understanding who he is for those that don't know who Carrie is. Yeah. He is a pastor in Ontario who leads, I think, multi-site church, but he also does quite a bit of stuff when it comes to leadership and, um, helping people lead well whether they be pastors or business leaders. And he writes this article, this, I think Monday he released it, all about the future of the church coming out of this pandemic. Because I think we're all coming to this realization that um, nothing will be 
exactly the same coming out of this, including the church. Um, the church is learning different things as we're forced to go online, um, as we're forced to um, take the Sunday morning gathering in person out of the strategy. Um, so yeah, things are, are a little bit different here. So what are you hoping for in the future? Yeah, I think it's important for us to look historically at questions like this. I think a lot of times we, we, uh, we look at, uh, we look forward as, at progress and we think, okay, how will things be different? And certainly they are, but I think what helps us looking historically is that the church encountered things like this over and over and over and showed it's at a, uh, being able to be adaptive, being able to be flexible, to live in the reality of the day. And so I think that, uh, what has historically happened in times of tragedy or illness, time of persecution, is that there is this innate desire in us just personally to understand why this is happening, to even be upset at the perceived randomness of it all and even get angry. And I believe this is so because the Christian understanding is that we all, no matter our belief or unbelief, are image bearers of God, that we do not, uh, that injustice um, fights against us. We don't want it in our lives. And what I mean is, is there's a lot to unpack here, but in few words, we are designed to see brokenness and pain as injustice. And the church historically has seen this and spoke into injustice and pain. The church engaged people in a very real time and space in real brokenness and pain and said, how can I help? How can I walk alongside of you? How can I carry your burden? Because Christ does this for us. So we, it, it became a true agent of hope. Um, so it's, it's, uh, it's a good time to ask the why questions of life, right? This is uh, kind of when tragedies and illness and pandemics happen, we begin to question things. So here at Circle, we, we traditionally offer Alpha. It's an Alpha course each fall and spring. Now Alpha is a time to gather, to have a meal, to watch a talk um, on a particular topic of a why question of life or faith, and then to have an open, honest discussion where all questions are welcome. Now. Uh, in this pandemic time, we are asking good questions. So Alpha allows us to ask these serious and honest questions. Now, of course, this has changed for us because pandemic, we can't gather together. We can't have the meal together. We can't uh, have those kind of conversations. But we are trying to be flexible, just like the church historically. We're trying to reach people where they are at uh, through best means possible. So we're actually planning to run Alpha online this spring. So I'm very excited about this flexibility to try Alpha in this new way. So actually, for those who are listening uh, to this and are wrestling with questions, feeling hopeless, trying to make sense of God in the midst of all this, there's a couple of good news. So uh, one is, is that uh, in Holy Week, we realized that the disciples didn't get it and didn't have the answers to their questions either. It was the resurrection that brought them to a conclusion. And so Alpha is a place for us to wrestle with some of that. So I'd encourage you to join us or check us out online. Um, Let's wrestle with these questions together. And uh, we're going to have links posted for this to invite you to uh, see what it's about, to even email us and to ask questions. And so I would say my hope for the future in all of this is that we ask good questions, that we look at the church historically and look at its flexibility and look at its ability to reach people where they're at, um, that we search, that we ask, that we knock on doors and that we seek. And when we do this, Jesus promises that when we ask, it will be given, seek, and we will find. And when we knock, the door will be open. In this season of Lent, in this Holy Week, 
I'm reminded that Easter is still coming and the resurrection changes everything. No, that's that's fantastic, Paul. Um, yeah, I just want to thank you so much for joining us this week and for listening to the podcast. This is a completely new realm in which yeah. we're coming to you. And so we're learning and we're having a lot of fun just having these conversations. Um, if you haven't, if you could just give us a review um, and a five-star rating, if if that's how you felt the comment uh, content was, we'd really appreciate it. That just gives us more reach and people to find the podcast. So yeah, feel free to write a review um, and give us a star rating of whatever number of stars that you think that we deserve. Um, in saying that, uh, we would love it if you joined us um, this Sunday for our Easter service online. Yeah. We'll be starting that at 1030. Um, it will be on Facebook or on our website. And so you'll be able to find it there. We're looking forward to having you join us and we hope that you have a great week. Thanks, Austin. Awesome.